0: Hiya, you're tuning in on Yes What, and I'm Zoe, your Yes Stylist host and a millennial. Previously, we reviewed our editor's favorite 2021 K-pop music videos for Style Inspo. This time around, I'm joined by Gen Zia Hillary to recap on some of this year's most viral fashion trends.
1: Hi, I'm Hillary. I just joined Style's social media team this year, so you'll usually see me in our Instagram fashion videos. But I also have a degree in fashion management, so I know a thing or two about trend forecasting. And I'm technically part of that Gen Z millennial cusp. So at like 22, I'm not old enough to be a millennial, but I'm much older than the rest of Gen Z. So we're kind of stretching on the whole Gen Z-ers <laughs> definition here. Wait,
0: so, oh wait, you're 22.
1: Yeah. 98? 90, 99. 99.
0: Uh, but technically you are Gen Z because I've heard like the Zillennial cusp is like 97 or 96
1: some people say that gen z definitely starts at 2000s but so like i am like right on in that like we don't really know what generation we are because we kind of grew up with both uh, that's true like i definitely remember a time before like having the internet all the time Mm. but at the same time i'm so like into that internet space that like i don't really feel like i have that much nostalgia for time before it
0: that's true and you probably discovered it through like uh, other ways on the internet or like just... and
1: like it was really ingrained in school already mm. so like i do remember vhs tapes but like it was like really young
0: that was my childhood <laughs> <laughs> so for today we're, we're basically going to recap on most of the trends we've seen in 2021 i think the main discussion today is really to like see how different our generation reacts to these trends
1: or how they adapt to these trends actually i want to throw out a buzzword so some vocab to take away from this which is zeitgeist oh i love that word i learned it at uni when i did fashion communication (laughs) yeah they really really dug this into us at uni so i just want to throw that out there which i think it works with all of our trends because i think that's what um, kind of created a lot of the trends that mm. we're going to be talking about. So like the defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. Let's talk about the, the sustained popularity of
0: um, Aflesia. So Aflesia has been around for basically, I feel like it's been around for half a decade. It's been around since like the mid-2010s. I just felt like the trend expanded its reach, especially in last year due to COVID and lockdowns and like how more and more people were, were working from home. In most cases, I do feel millennials do
1: gravitate towards the athleisure trends. I think with athleisure, and especially, you know, during the quarantine period last year, I think a large part of it is due to the comfort.
0: Mm. You know,
1: when you're stuck at home, the last thing you want to do, and especially if you're working from home, the last thing you want to do is dress up with nowhere to go. Mm. So I think that really kind of led into how athleisure became more of an everyday thing, because it really became the only thing you wanted to wear. Mm-hmm you know, you also look kind of cool, like you've maybe finished a run or you've just headed to the gym. So it gives that kind of perceived view that you're doing more than you actually are. Mm.
0: I feel like that's quite a millennial mindset, actually, especially when like most millennials grew up aspiring that, you know, workwear and like everyday wear. there's like a certain aesthetic to what's considered workwear and daywear. And suddenly you were introduced athleisure, where you can blend like, just comfy, com- like, loungewear with your everyday clothes. And most people actually, like, kind of transfer that idea onto their workwear as well. They're mixing, like, hoodies and- with the blazers, and then they wear, like, sneakers to work. And I felt like the trend really appealed to
1: millennials, especially the ones that are already working. I think it's less about athleisure and just the actual... The leggings and like the sports bra. (laughs) And it's just like you're wearing that full gym look. So Mm. there isn't much leisure to it. The leisure (laughs) is in that you get to wear leggings out all the time. Oh, God.
0: This is my personal opinion. I was really reluctant to associate myself with athleisure for years, mainly because I just find yoga pants and leggings just really unflattering. No matter how you dress it up, I just think it's not something that would fit most body shapes. And I feel like unless you're a specific type, like, it doesn't really look as cool, which is why I kind of ran away from the train for years. On the other hand, like, I do agree that jumpers and hoodies are just really comfortable. And then, like, you know, if there are any excuse to wear those out, I'll do it any time, to be honest.
1: It feels like you're not putting much effort into your outfit, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, for millennials who, you know, grew up with, like, thinking, like, Oh, yeah, you know, I have to look this certain way when I'm going to work because it it gives me that I need to be in like, you know, the shirt to feel like I can do work today. Mm. And I think with Gen Z, with like kind of like our childhood, it's just kind of been tossed up into the air. And especially with like a lot of like, you know, people starting college, like they just finished two years of university, Mm -hmm. you know, from their bedrooms.
0: You know, true. I feel
1: like they just have lost all sense of that structure. Mm-hmm. So for them, wearing athleisure out every day, it's like, it's fine. It's just clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just wear it whenever I want. It doesn't have to be for that specific reason That's of exercise.
0: That's true. What are your personal take on athleisure?
1: I was really against it at first. <laughs> <laughs> I was always in the like court that like leggings aren't pants. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like leggings like aren't pants, but... Um, now that like I do a lot more exercise, it's just more convenient. You don't have to get changed at the gym and leggings mm-hmm. are a pain to get into.
0: I prefer shorts if I'm exercising, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just, it's like the whole set is a pain to get into. And if you're changing at a gym, it's just, it's unpleasant. So I'd rather just wear F-leisure out to go to the gym and then come back still in leisure. But I have like a big hoodie to cover everything up.
0: I feel like we have a very similar mindset. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because I feel like as a, the Gen Z millennial cuss, mm. and especially on the older side of Gen Z, if, we're re- if we really stick to that definition, like, mm-hmm. and especially now that I'm working as well, so like, yeah. there's less of a gap. There is really less of a gap. That's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another trend that really exploded early on this year was the Regency core trend.
1: I mean, Regency Core feels like forever ago, and that was just at the beginning of this year.
0: It does feel like a long time
1: ago. <laughs> it feels like it's been like forever since we've you know talked about like the puff sleeves, but it was just this year.
0: To be honest, I did think like you know the trend wouldn't have exploded if it weren't for the Netflix original series Bridgerton, which dropped last Christmas. At that time, most people were just stuck at home. Like it was probably one of the gloomiest Christmas of all time. Suddenly, you get this like juicy Regency drama dropped and then they just have amazing aesthetic it's hard for people not to like run into that as a form of escapism so i think that you know the trend did explode for that reason but the thing about adapting the trend into like everyday wear isn't something that i think millennials would actively do i see a good portion of like my peers, like kind of like maybe just taking some elements from the trend. Like maybe they, after watching Bridgerton, they are like, oh, puff leaves are kind of cute. Oh, gloves are kind of cool. Or they are just starting wearing like really pearly pieces. I don't know if it's to do with like, you know, us getting older. There's more of a reluctance to dive right into a new trend. It's quite actually quite a dramatic trend to carry.
1: Like every time we do like a really themed like trend video, Sometimes I do feel like I'm kind of putting on a costume Mm. because it just feels like it's so extra. But I know that, you know, people are really comfortable wearing it. And I think, you know, for Gen Z, it is their way of expressing themselves now because they've had so many things taken from them where they would normally get a chance to express themselves, like maybe after school clubs or drama clubs. All of that was suddenly gone. So I think especially with Regency Corps. You know, I think it was a chance for people to go all in on something for once. And especially something that they really feel passionate about. I mean, who doesn't love Pride and Prejudice? Like when you put on those Empire line dresses, you can't kind of be like, you can be like, ah, hello, Mr. Darcy.
0: Mr. Darcy was
1: every teenage girl's heartthrob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I got to go see the Jane Austen house. So I, I went to the Jane Austen house and oh, I got to God. see like the actual Regency dresses. And I'm just like, wow, they're really small. I mean, there are some
0: inaccuracy in the drama. You know,
1: there were no corsets at that time. And if you're wearing Empire waistline, it's about the absence of a waist. Yeah, exactly. Why would you wear a corset underneath that dress that covers everything? But I kind of like that historical accuracy isn't like everything to do with this trend. Like you just mentioned corsets. So we Hmm. saw corsets come back into fashion, which was not popular during the Regency era. Exactly. (laughs) So I think it's like it's interesting how we can take like something that's so specifically Regency core and just expand it into something that it's not. It's just more like a fictional
0: concept at the moment. It was more like a mishmash of, like, Victorians slash Regency. I really think they could have renamed it as, like, Victorian Core <laughs> at some
1: point. Yes, especially once they started adding in all the corsets and, like, the collars mm. and, like, you know, all the more kind of exuberant stuff. I also think the Regency Core led to more people being aware to designers like Simone Rocha. It was perfectly timed with Simone Rocha and, like, her H&M collaboration. So that just really led to the whole puff sleeves really... Like mm. elaborate beading and pearls. Like the Regency Corps accessory checklist is basically like the chokers, the pearl, lace gloves, tiaras. Like. I actually think like the collection came in time because when the attention was all on Regency
0: Corps, actually a lot of people don't know how to style that into their everyday wardrobe. And the Simone Rocha collaboration actually proved that, you know, you can wear it every day. She made it like extremely sort of down to earth in a way without losing the sort of glamour of a Regency Corps.
1: Like, I really love the detail of puff sleeves being Mm -hmm. a big part of Regency Core. It's just one attribute to a top or a dress, but it adds that kind of princess vibe, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I think it's really the core of Regency Core. It's like that. So it's like you said, the escapism and the alternative reality. You know, even though you're going to work, you're wearing puff sleeves, you feel like a princess. We're going to work.
0: (laughs) Another thing I've noticed is that retro trends are hotter than ever this year. Aspects of like 70s, 80s, and 90s have always been like around, like people are always adapting it here and there. But I really did see like a major comeback on these three eras, especially the 70s. Suddenly, I'm just seeing everybody wearing swirly
1: prints, psychedelic prints, and it just became like a thing. I think it's really interesting given how last year everything was really all about minimalism. <laughs> yeah. Like we went from being like, oh, we don't need that much stuff. You know, we need that basic t-shirt, that's it. Like the Marie Kondo sight, guys. <laughs> you know, we just kind of entered the Marie Kondo kind of like, you know, really think about what you're wearing, you know, can you mix and match these pieces? But then all of a sudden you have these psychedelic prints where it's like, you can't match them with anything but it themselves. Totally. <laughs> actually, I wanted to bring up the matching set trend while we're on that topic because like we've actually become more efficient and lazy by creating <laughs> matching sets. Because this way you don't have to think about your outfit. If it's a matching set, you got the top and the bottoms covered. Mm. So we're actually being lazy by becoming more efficient.
0: What are your personal thoughts on the seventies, like prints and stuff? Like, have you actually adapted into it, or is it something that you kind of just like not too sure about?
1: Actually, I really like them. I like them quite a lot. I did manage to get this mini dress that had a really seventies psychedelic print, and I've worn it a few times with like different shirts underneath. Mm-hmm. I just think it's like it's really happy. It's kind of like is it dopamine dressing? Yeah, it's like you called. know you're you know you're wearing something with such a vibrant and like you know interesting print and if you're one of the few people on the street wearing that you kind of feel like Ooh, you know I feel a little bit special. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I think for people that haven't experienced this decade it's a chance for them to really interact with like the trends especially since like early 2000s and 2010s fashion was kind of like very plain, very simple, like one tone. Exactly, yeah. It's like all of a sudden you get this like vibrant explosion of these like really interesting and unique patterns
0: the 90s and the uh, y2k looks are totally back this year and i pretty much grew up in y2k like kind of between primary school and secondary school i have quite strong vivid memories in these two times to be honest when i realize like you know people are really buying into the late 90s early 2000s kind of trends like especially this year i actually find it really cringy because I grew up like with it and back then we all think it was really cool and then now like as a person looking back to your cringy childhood photos you just think oh my god I would never wear those again this trend it either works if you're a millennial who never outgrew their teenage wardrobe but not necessarily for those who really like just hated how they dress back in the days and then suddenly you realize oh it's it's trendy now what on
1: what on earth <laughs> I mean, so I'm not 16 anymore, so I don't really think I can interact with these Y2K trends either. (laughs) And I'm definitely not the body type for the Y2K trends either. Yes, definitely a body type. I think that's the main deciding factor between whether or not you're going back into Y2K or if you're just completely avoiding it. Because everything about Y2K is about the low-rise jeans. Oh my god, those are The low-rise jeans, the baby tees. The bandanas? The bandanas, the rhinestones.
0: The rhinestones. It's just all very, it's all very Paris Hilton to me.
1: (laughs) I don't want to say Paris Hilton. Lindsay Lohan? Lindsay
0: Lohan, like, you know, Juicy
1: Couture sweats tracksuits. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the Velour tracksuits. I mean, Legally Blonde, if I could wear it, I think I might. I think it'd be fun to try that for a bit, but I can't.
0: I think the younger ends of the Gen Zs are totally into this, like, early 2000s aesthetic because they were born around that time but they've never really experienced it in the same light. It's, it feels like, you know, they just found, like, their parents', like, secret stash of cool stuff, and then they're like, whoa, I'm just going to put it all on.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think yeah. it's, like, that's exactly what a lot of, like, the reasons why we go back to previous generations, because you your kids find, like, the kids find their parents' stuff, and like, oh, that's cool, I'm going to wear it too. And I think that's what spurs it on. So, and, you know, kind of coming off of that with the nostalgia-inspired trends... I really like how beaded jewelry is kind of coming back into fashion because I used to make beaded jewelry a lot as a kid (laughs) and I I feel like people didn't appreciate it enough back then, you know, when I was doing it because they're just like, okay, that's cool. But like, here's the one I bought. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the concept
0: of friendship bracelets, you know, the ones that you make that people tend to not value as much as the one they bought from
1: like a shop. And also I was the type of person that made like a lot of handmade gifts for my friends. Oh, that's so sweet. Because I feel like that's just more effort than, I mean, it just, for me, like, it was just always more personal than buying them a gift. So I just liked making stuff for them and they never appreciated it. So seeing it as a trend now where everyone's like, oh my gosh, friendship bracelets, you know, these camp necklaces with all these plastic beads. I'm just kind of thinking back like... You're getting slight PTSD. (laughs) It's like, okay, that's fine. I'm perfectly fine with this.
0: Unlike you, I actually was quite surprised how beaded jewelry was actually um, coming back this year because as a kid... I loved a tacky aesthetic. It's something quite tacky but quirky about beaded jewellery. And you just love anything that's very colourful. And I think, like, I kind of outgrew that phase, like the colourful phase. And then suddenly it's all coming back, along with nostalgia-inspired trends.
1: I think a lot of trends, especially fashion trends, are set out to make you feel more mature, like more put together. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of the trends is about, you know, presenting yourself in, like, a really cool way. So I think the fact that these kind of, like, tacky and like these kind of what people used to think were cringe or coming back as trends i think that's great because i think it just means that we get to there's not so much pressure on how you present yourself anymore i think
0: people are kind of warming up to the idea of being a kid out as opposed to being an adult what are your thoughts on the baguette bag it's the new it item
1: <laughs> so i know as a gen as the gen z representative in this conversation i should gush about how much i love them but i I feel like I've been I've been going against a lot of the Gen Z trends, but... Are you anti-Gen Z? <laughs> I don't know, am I? As a Gen Z? <laughs> I think maybe it's just like my Virgo energy that I have to carry a lot of things. I feel like I always just have to carry a lot just in case. I feel like it's a Virgo
0: thing, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just have to carry a lot. So I just don't think the shoulder bags serve a lot of function to me. I can't even fit my phone in them. That's even the funniest part because like, you know, you think Gen Z is glued to our phones. And we can't even put our phone in our bags. I feel
0: like it's because most of the time they don't put their phones in their bags. I feel like they're just holding onto it constantly. And I feel like, you know, for them, the bag is a separate accessory instead of like a functional thing. I think my first baguette bag was actually a hand-me-down for my older sisters. My older sisters are like 10 years older than me. So they were, they were basically teenagers in the early two thousands and like basically hopped onto all the trends. When they gave me that their used baguette bags, I honestly thought, oh, this is perfect for a child because it's like the perfect size for a child to put everything in, but it's not the most practical size for an adult. So to me, like for ages, I always thought baguette bag was just like a basically a chihuahua equivalent to a band bag.
1: (laughs) No, definitely. I think it's like, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like, it's just so small. It's perfect for a child to hold. I mean, I understand it's more of an accessory than an actual like functional Mm -hmm. bag at this point. But saying
0: so, I was actually really ecstatic when the trend came back. And then I end up buying the baguette bag in many different colours. <laughs> if you see me going to work, I carry the most practical bag possibly. I carry like a giant tote bag and I put
1: everything in there. If you're just going out, maybe mm. just like on a shopping trip, I think that's fine.
0: But no, actually, when I go out like to buy stuff, I, ne- I always need a bigger bag.
1: That's why you carry those like recyclable tote bags that fold.
0: If I found a good enough size that could fit at least my small paperback book, that usually is like a way to encourage me to use it more. But most of the time, I mean, I don't really carry much. Like, I mean, the point of having a baguette bag is really to like kind of Just strip away any unnecessary things you need. For example, if you're just going out for lunch with friends, you don't really need a big bag. I think it's a way to restrict yourself from carrying so much unnecessary stuff that just weighs you down during a day. Sometimes you just want to be a bit more enlightened during your day off. And I feel like the baguette bag is one way for millennials to kind of like shed away unnecessary weight.
1: No, I get it, because like I think if you know if you carry a big bag, there's the expectation that it needs to be filled. Yes. So but... if you have a small bag, you're kind of just left walking around with, "Well, I just have the small bag, so I can't really." I can't carry stuff. I can't <laughs> carry stuff. Hey, can you carry this for me? I can't. I I just have the small, the get bag. <laughs>
0: Eager to find out what's new from your favourite K-beauty brands? Here are some of the latest beauty launches at Yesstyle that you may want to check out. Ingredients cleansing balls take face soaps to the next level. Made with vegan-approved natural gum, the formula is packed with hydrating ingredients and has a pH of 5-7. to So it won't dry out skin or irritate sensitive skin barriers. Available in free options, JG Organic Green Tea, Butterfly Pea and Sika. Following the Sensual's product numbering system, its double serum is the step after the first toner. This serum offers soothing, smoothing and brightening effects thanks to skin-friendly formula containing Azulene, Glacier Water and 7 kinds of peptides. Interested in products that are a little more cutting-edge? KVT brand Sol's Butterfinex integrates stem cell technology into its innovative skincare line. The religion ampoule set is formulated with vegan collagen to combat signs of aging, as well as the probiotic ingredient ProRenew Complex COR to fortify the skin barrier. Sometimes, all you need is a touch of blush to revitalize your makeup. The Touch My Cheek and Bloom powder blushes from Milk Touch come in a clear, compact and a velvety matte finish. It's available in free, versatile colors to suit different moods and skin undertones. For more information, check out our new releases column on the Yes Stylist, or head to YesStyle.com to start shopping. I may not use TikTok, but I mean, whatever's trending on TikTok right now actually do end up making its way to the social platforms that I usually use. Instagram is mostly used by millennials and Gen Zers. I feel like on TikTok is mostly Gen Zs and not so many like millennials and the impact on TikTok trends is pretty prevalent this year, especially not just on like fashion trends. I feel like in pop culture as well.
1: I think t- TikTok has definitely influenced fashion trends a lot. Mm-hmm. We can see kind of like a really fast turnover of trends. So, you know, like how we said with in the beginning with the Regency core, that was very much a TikTok trend to begin with. It started with what I would wear if I was in Bridgerton. And then mm-hmm. that trend kind of like grew to like other shows. So you can see how, like, a one video from TikTok can actually grow to, like, a full trend.
0: It's basically like a viral thread, like, of challenges people can do.
1: So, like, we have, like, what I would wear in a K-drama now. What yeah. I would wear if I was in Squid Game.
0: I mean, there's only a few <laughs> looks from Squid Game.
1: <laughs> like, what I would wear if I was in a horror movie. So Ooh, I that's think,
0: quite fun, actually. I, th-
1: I mean, like... Because film and TV really influence fashion as well. That's true. So I think it's only natural that TikTok, which has become a lot of Gen Z's primary form of entertainment, that would also influence the fashion that they wear. You know, as a result of this on TikTok, I think trends definitely have a shorter lifespan. So there's a 20-year rule in fashion, Mm. which is why we're seeing Y2K now at the beginning of the 2020s. That's true. So because that was what's popular 20 years ago. But last year, as we discussed, like 80s fashion, was the big fashion. And we kind of went through the 90s really quickly. Mm. And now we've already moved on to Y2K. So I think TikTok has a big part in that where it kind of like, you kind of get oversaturated on these trends really quickly and then we can move on to something new.
0: That's true. That's what they called micro trends, Micro trends,
1: yeah. But one big trend that had a bit more longevity was definitely cottagecore, I think. How come? I feel like it started really around like spring, summer. And you know, people wanting to like go off to a cottage and like you know wear all these frilly dresses and like foraging, and then apparently it's now kind of evolved into cabin core. Now that we're entering like the winter months. Oh yes, I just wrote an article on cabin core.
0: <laughs> but the thing is, I feel like with cottage core, it's going back to the idea of escapism through the way of dress. I feel like cottage core it has quite a specific aesthetic. From it's more like a peasant version of Regency Core. That's how I kind of interpreted it. It's more like a more wearable, slightly less extravagant version. But there's still something really dreamy and ethereal about it. And it's definitely quite a feminine look. It's not particularly friendly to people who don't want to tap into looking too feminine. I feel. There's an appeal to cottagecore, cool, but I feel like it's quite niche in some way, which yeah. is why I'm quite surprised you said it was it had quite a longevity in terms of being a trend.
1: I think it, because it's a niche. So like people within that niche, they'll stay in that niche for a longer time. Uh-huh. And we kind of see how cottagecore has kind of leaked into like lifestyle products.
0: That's very true too. I'm seeing more rattan stuff, baskets, tablecloth in
1: general. Yeah, you see more tablecloth. So even if you're not participating in it fashion-wise, you're participating in it through a lifestyle-wise.
0: And are people having more picnics this year? I feel like people are just obsessed with picnics this year.
1: Yeah, like there's so much like people posting like um, their picnic basket spreads. So I feel like even if you're not, so that's why I bring it up because I think even though you're not participating in it Mm -hmm. it fashion wise, you're participating in it in the lifestyle wise.
0: That's true. That's very true.
1: In terms of like TikTok fashion, I think there's like a very clear image that pops up when we talk about TikTok fashion that's, you know, basically in fashion, they've defined it as the Gen Z look Mm -hmm. or the Gen Z effect, which I think it's been called the avant basic look.
0: The avant-basic look. So avant from avant-garde.
1: Yeah, but also basic.
0: Kind of like a juxtaposed concept, isn't it?
1: I think it's because of like how widespread it is. So you kind of see those psychedelic prints, but more toned down. So it is all about making that statement, but because so many people are making the same statement, mm-hmm. it looks basic.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. There's a sarcasm to it.
1: (laughs) Like, I think that, like, there's a bit of a derogatory notion to Avant Basic as a name, but I think that's the best way to describe it.
0: That's great.
1: I've also heard about
0: Fairy Core and Elf Core. Can you elaborate a bit more? I'm not really sure what they
1: are. (laughs) So it's a bit, like, we did a video on Fairy Core, so...
0: Oh, yeah, you you
1: guys did? Yeah, we did the video on Fairy Core a while ago, but, um... Yeah, the research for that was very
0: interesting. And how does it differ from cottagecore, like apart from more fantasy elements?
1: They're all really part of the same family. Family, Yeah, they're <laughs> part of the same family. So it's really that escapism mm. element, but it's more like being in tune to nature, more floral patterns, more... It was really more a summer thing though. Like now that we've kind of gone into the winter months, I don't think you see it that much on TikTok anymore.
0: I feel like there's more menswear opportunity in cabin core
1: it's mostly color
0: palettes i see it's i see more brown more deeper shades of green and people wearing like earthy colors a lot more this year i do feel
1: i think the earthy palette is like the main thing for 2021 so far i feel like a lot of people are incorporating browns and greens Mm -hmm. into their wardrobe and we're both wearing brown and green too
0: as an earth sign you (laughs) do you love your earth tones
1: yeah i really like earth tones it's a bit more than neutral colors Mm -hmm. So it's like, because you have like the brown and the beige tones, which are really neutral, but then you have like bits of green here and there. So I think it's like a nice kind of like simple compromise.
0: And I feel like because you've mentioned that you were Virgo, like earth signs in general are attracted to earthy tones. Even if a sun sign isn't an earth sign, if there are like a prominent earth sign in your chart, you do end up gravitating towards those colors. And as you mentioned, I am wearing brown. I have a Virgo rising. And Melanie here is a Capricorn moon. <laughs>
1: so it explains like, we're all wearing earth colours, oh my god. <laughs> in terms of like the trends, there are like two kind of opposite sides. So there are people that are going all out in animal print.
0: I haven't actually seen that many animal prints this year for some reason. Like I,
1: f- I felt like last year I've see- I saw more.
0: Because I think it's it's more of a this year trend, isn't it? Oh, is it because Y2K revivals? Because it was quite a big thing, animal prints back then.
1: Yeah, I think it's part of that and like the trend of like maximalism. So mm. going from a year of extreme minimalism, and, like, staying indoors so long, you the automatic reaction was to go in the complete opposite direction. Just to be expressive. Just to be so expressive. When you compare kind of, like, the cabin core and, like, the cottage core, which is, like, really staying in sort of that quarantine mindset, sort of, like, the hominess mm-hmm. of it compared to people that are really, like, extroverted and, like, really expressing themselves with, like, the 70s psychedelic prints. I think that's interesting to see. Mm-hmm.
0: So you do these fashion reports every month at work. And I was wondering what are your thoughts on this season's winter fashion week trends?
1: I think it's a mixed bag, actually. There are people that are really sticking to that minimalism. And there are people that are really ready to just go out and express themselves. Mm -hmm. So for the winter kind of like report, I put out like a lot of, there's going to be a lot of vibrant colors. There's a lot of sequins and glamour. And I think my favorite trend is the puffer coat. Really? Is it just a full-on puffer coat? Yeah, just a full-on puffer coat. Because I think in a lot of, like, fashion trends before, in the previous years, people have always said, like, oh, wear, like, those thin puffer coats, like the puffer vests on the inside (laughs) of your jacket, like, like, underneath your big coat, so you still look really streamlined and, like... And I think it's really nice that we're kind of embracing the puffiness because I really like puffer coats, and there's nothing better than just being, like, you feel really warm. It's just cozy to be in that. So before with like puffer jackets, you kind of were the lame person if you were wearing like a big puffer jacket. And <laughs> all your friends were wearing these cool trench coats. Like,
0: yep. <laughs> the cool kids were in the wool coats, the boots. It was just, there's a preppy look to it. There's a preppy and very like, put to, well put together look to it. But if you were wearing more like puff, as you mentioned like, you know, just a cozier puffer jackets and sneakers, you just, you do feel not as cool at that time but now I feel like they ca- that kind of thing is just reversing and you know the more comfortable stuff are making a bigger impact at the moment and people are starting to like appreciate those things as being quite nice looking
1: as well <laughs> yeah and in terms of like now that they're in trend we can see a lot of different variations to the puffer coats so I mentioned how there people have wore the wool trench coats now there's puffer trench coats and I think that's quite interesting puffer trench
0: coats so are they just like
1: they're just like, they have, they're have; cinched in at the waist and they ah. go quite long. There's quite a ski aesthetic
0: to that, I think.
1: Yeah, and ski aesthetic is a big trend this um, season as well. So linking back in with Cabin Corps, there's kind of that, like I think a lot of runway designers decided that we're all going to Aspen or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Met Gala is always a spectacle to watch. And because they kind of cancelled last year, people were really hyping up to this year's theme. This year's theme was like in America, a lexicon of fashion. What are your thoughts on the theme?
1: I thought they would have more American designers featured.
0: That's what I thought.
1: <laughs> it was mostly the Italian fashion houses, anyway, and their interpretation. I feel like with the theme, people could have really done anything, mm-hmm. and they did. So it was a bit. <laughs> it was a. Bit <laughs> you know the theme in America, lexicon of fashion. I think there's so much that they could have mentioned with like, especially with America's history and fashion and like how Mm -hmm. they played their part in industrializing it.
0: I do think that, you know, in general, like the Met Gala themes can be interpreted in a lot of ways. It's usually quite a broad theme. It's more like a concept. And then however you want to interpret it is really down to you just as long as you can kind of explain it. You don't even need to, I mean, look at some of them. (laughs) One of my favorite looks was on Lupita Nyong'o. So Lupita Nyong'o wore a Versace dress Unfortunately, not an American designer, but it was a magnificent denim floor-length evening
1: gown. Oh, yeah, that's definitely amazing.
0: As a woman of colour, as a, as a black woman, she kept her afro, but she styled it in a way that was slightly more pageanty. She's kind of like embracing... The idea of, you know, what's considered as the typical standard of American beauty, you know, the evening gown, the styled hair, and then the gorgeous jewelry, without losing her heritage. And I liked how she married that concept quite nicely.
1: There's kind of like the pageantry element to it, too, I think. It's very, like... You know, I mean, even just walking down the Met Gala like steps, it kind of feels like a pageant. Everyone's looking to see what you're wearing yes. and judging you. It's kind of like
0: prom and a pageant together.
1: I think it's really interesting how, like, especially with that dress, and that's what you know really just it makes a statement on the steps. Definitely.
0: I wasn't expecting CL at the Met Gala this year.
1: I really loved her outfit when she showed up. Like it just it was so dramatic, and it was just like it was just this large denim cape.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. She really rocked it.
1: Yeah, it's just something that's so big and it's like it's bigger than you, but you can still manage to carry it really well. And also with the denim, I think that managed to like work in the theme really well. Speaking of TikTok, uh, we did see a few TikTokers invited to the Met Gala this year. And I think that just kind of really goes to show how much uh, TikTok's making that influence on fashion in the previous two years at the Met Gala. So it's not the first time we have these social media stars, mm-hmm. you know, alongside like, you know, the A-list and the, like the elite of the elite in the fashion world. So I think it's really interesting to see how, you know, even the fashion world can't deny TikTok's influence, like social media's influence on fashion and on like my generation, like on Gen Z. Mm-hmm. I do agree. I think really a lot of Gen Z, they don't really look at the traditional mediums anymore.
0: And talk about uh, Gen Z as favorite. What are your thoughts on Billie Eilish's Met Gala look?
1: The Oscar de la Renta? Yeah. She
0: called it the holiday Barbie look, inspired by Marilyn Monroe's 1951's Oscar dress. There's quite a lot of references, but like what I liked about it wasn't really the the look in general. It was more like how Billy has kind of matured. I really like how she kind of evolved. From her usual style, because Bliala is just known for just uh, dressing in o- super oversized uh, jumper, super oversized everything. It's kind of like, I think everybody knew that she had a body image issue. And for her to just come out in this full on feminine evening gown, like old Hollywood glam, it's nice to see how she's maturing into a woman and she's accepting her body image. I like how she embraced this idea. On such amazing stage like the Met Gala ball,
1: and I think like you say with like the holiday Barbie kind of influence, you know, like we have a very specific idea of what Barbie is. Yes. So I think you know, for her to say, you know, to kind of like you know, take that as an inspiration and have that, you know, say like you know, this is what a holiday Barbie should look like, Mm -hmm. regardless of her size or whatever. Yeah. I think that's one of the best parts of the statement in the dress, definitely. I think it's really interesting how a lot of people chose um, Audrey Hepburn. Infl- Even Kendall Jenner
0: was supposed to be doing... A- I didn't get the reference
1: at all. She said it was the My Fair Lady, kind of. Well, I guess if you really looked at it, minus the fact that she was basically naked. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn's not really... She's not really an American.
0: She's not American
1: at all, is she? So she's a British
0: actress. But she... Oh, wait. But I think most of the films she did were classical Hollywood films.
1: But I think like that just goes back into the whole film and television being a big part of fashion. Mm-hmm. So even though like their theme was in America, a lexicon of fashion, a lot of them looked to old Hollywood films mm-hmm. as their inspiration. I think that's really interesting in like the scope of fashion before like runways are like the defining mm-hmm. factor of fashion or like fashion magazines. But we're kind of seeing a shift to that to more kind of consumer-facing media.
0: Mm-hmm. Just looking back on all the viral trends this year, which ones are your favorite?
1: although I did kind of um, diss it a little bit, I think the avant basic look is, like, really interesting to see. (laughs) I just, I really like it. I do really like how, like, vibrant and happy it is. There's just kind of this carefreeness to wearing all these different um, clashing prints and, like, patterns and the colors. I think that's just really happy. Like, I personally kind of have a more minimalistic wardrobe. Mm -hmm. I think it's nice just to see it, even though I wouldn't personally wear it all the time. And
0: what era is your favorite because seeing like you know there's so many comebacks this year on retro looks is that like which specific era have you always like really liked or you never knew you liked until you saw like how it could be styled like based on this year's trends
1: so actually since this year's has more than been like 70s and 80s I actually kind of like the 50s dress silhouettes <laughs> you went way back yeah i went even further back but like i really like the kind of 50 dress silhouettes like the flared skirts mm. the pool skirts I think with Queen's Gambit last year, especially, Mm -hmm. like she kind of went from there was like the 50s stage and then she moved into like the 60s. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that style as well. But for more kind of like practical era, like definitely, I really like, we mentioned the flare pants. I really like the 70s flare flare pants. Mm -hmm. Also, the 90s grunge thing is also interesting.
0: 90s grunge. I didn't. (laughs) I
1: love it too. I was always
0: quite fascinated by the 80s, mainly because I grew up in the 90s but like my sisters were born in the 80s and then I used to look back on the photos and I had this fascination and I think most millennials born in the earlier end of 90s will have this fascination towards the 80s like my friends who are around the same age as me have the same sort of fascination they think 80s are so cool there's something quite swag about you know wearing a windbreaker and then like oversized denim jacket and it's just I think most of the movies we grew up watching were from the 80s especially from when we were kids so I think, like, there's this close connection for generations who kind of, like, look back on the generation just before theirs. This is quite an interesting thing to see, like, so many retro looks coming back this year. Are there any, like, trendy items you saw this year that you really would never, ever wear or own?
1: I don't really like the cutouts trend. <laughs> I know we haven't mentioned it. I I haven't really, yeah, but I know we didn't talk about it, but I just, I feel like the cutouts trend, it's, I just feel like it's kind of weird and it's kind of hard to get into, like just so physically wear the pieces, I think. Hmm. It's more like for styling reasons. It just looks cool. It's it's
0: a concept. It looks great. Like, you know, there's something quite experimental, but it's sort of futuristic as well, but also like a retro futuristic look. I agree with you. Like, it's not something that most people can adapt into, i'm just a very practical person that's fine it's a personality thing
1: sometimes it's not really about generation <laughs> i just don't see how i could wear something with a lot of cutouts
0: you'd be moving it all day you've been like adjusting you my You just kind of keep making
1: sure you're you're adjusted, you're covered and just like i just feel very uncomfortable with just thinking about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think looking back on the trends you know there are a lot of things that i like to look at for example like the regency court accessories but like on deeper thought I don't think I can ever incorporate that into my wardrobe. It just doesn't fit. Like, I think personally, it's not really about what goes in with my general wardrobe. I have a very specific way of dressing. I'm again, I'm more minimal, but I'm also more into the sort of gender fluid looks, maybe more into the 80s oversized look. And but I think a lot of millennials like do adapt into more of the cottage core, which is something I wouldn't personally dive into. The interesting thing is that I've seen like, you know, no matter how much British and we, we all watched as as a collective group. Like, not everybody would want to, like, sort of incorporate down to the wardrobe. I mean, like, there's only so many ways you can wear Regency Core. Like, maybe it's just one statement piece or one specific dress you would wear to a party or something. But making that everyday wear, it's quite tricky. And for me, I like looking at it, but it's something I
1: wouldn't personally own. Yeah, and I think for Gen Z, I think a lot of us are teenagers still kind of, like, trying to figure out what we want. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know... It's with trends, it's just every time there's a new trend that pops up, it's a new way for them to try something new. It's true. And, you know, if you're not really so set in, like, kind of, like, your style yet, like, I feel like my style has stayed quite the same. It's quite cyclical. So, like, I kind of went through a phase where I was, like, very gender neutral. So I didn't really like skirts. But then during quarantine last year, I really loved skirts. I just really liked how free-flowing, like, I just started collecting a large amount of midi skirts. I just found that they were just more comfortable to wear than shorts and in the winter they could still function. So so um, in terms of like Gen Z and like how they adapt to these new trends and how they're able to kind of go all in, I think for a lot of them, it's a bit performative. Like it is really for the TikTok video or the Instagram photo. But at the same time, I think they don't really mind wearing it out because there's this sort of youthfulness to it. You're still just trying to figure out who you are. And, like, I think it's kind of like looking back at your parents' old photos and, like, or looking back at your own Y2K kind of, <laughs> <No>. like, outfit. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's still just keep, I think that's just something that every generation goes through. So that's every true. generation needs that kind of, like, oh, my God, I can't believe we used to wear that. So I think with that in mind, Gen Z, like, yeah, just something that we used to wear in the time, in the zeitgeist.
0: In the zeitgeist.
1: <laughs> Full circle. You know, although we're talking about all these different trends, all these different styles, it can kind of get really overwhelming Mm -hmm. in doing these, you know, reports and just observing trends in general. And like the 20-year rule, I think the thing we should all remember is that these trends do repeat. And I don't think, you know, we should put too much stress on being on trend, considering and especially considering how fast they go by now. So like, you know, how crochet was so big early this year and then it kind of transferred over to summer and it's still a big thing now you know, trends aren't really set to, like, their spring-summer trends, therefore you can only wear them in spring-summer, or their fall-winter trends, you can only wear them in fall-winter. I think there's a lot of... Although we can kind of really bracket off when Mm -hmm. things are at its peak, it doesn't mean that it's not on trend for the rest of the year. So Mm -hmm. it may not be the main thing in the general consensus, but, you know, it's still around. And I think that's the big thing is, like, there's only so many trends out there, so they'll get repeated or they're just slightly different. So even though you think that this piece was very Regency Core, it doesn't mean that you have to throw it out once you're no longer once Regency Core is no longer trending. You can still wear it. The point you made is super interesting because I totally agree that yeah, you shouldn't
0: like definitely, there's this idea of keeping something and especially with micro trends or trends expire so quickly, you go full cycle super quickly then like it's probably within like just maybe a few years time that you'll go back into that trend again. Uh, the idea of a trend ever since last year and this year, I think has become more blurred. Like I just think everybody can just wear whatever they want. They can express however they want to dress. They just find references in different things. And it just happens that as a collective like as as human beings, everybody are kind of like revisiting very similar reference points. And that's why there are these sort of micro trends popping up. It really is just people are digging into whatever they want to find inspirations from. But it just happens that it became like it's all from a specific era. And then it just blew up into a micro trend.
1: The best way to sum this up is kind of like trends are a suggestion. They're not the rule. Thank you so much for joining me today, Hilary. Thank you for listening
0: to the end. Make sure to subscribe to Yes What wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss out on our newest episode. And if you liked what you heard on this episode, go follow us on Spotify and give us all the stars on Apple Podcast. Find out more about what we do on our blog at yesstyle.com forward slash blog and feel free to DM us your questions on our Instagram at the theyesstylist. See you soon.